Good morning. morning. All right. I just want to make sure everyone's awake. We just sang uh, Wonderful Grace of Jesus. And it's true that that is uh, a choir director's dream song when it comes to the hymns. Uh, It's also, uh, for those of you who are not tenors, and even those of you who are tenors in the morning, uh, it's it's a difficult song to sing. It'll really wake you up. Um, but it's, it's just a good reminder uh, of the sufficiency uh, of God's grace, the fact that it is greater than all my sin and shame. And we should magnify the precious name of Jesus and praise his name because of that. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 1. I appreciate, um, by the way, those of you who reached out to me this week and said you were praying for me, and those of you who shared this morning that you prayed for me this week, I would encourage people to continue to do that. Uh, It is an encouragement to be reminded of the fact that other people are praying for you as you're preparing a message. 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to read the entire chapter, and then we'll focus on verses 20 through 25. uh, Greetings to the elect pilgrims. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, To the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call him a father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, 
He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's open in a time of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, the word that endures forever. We thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to open it, to study it, to look at it, and to be reminded of many things about you, your grace, your love, your mercy, the spilled blood, of the, the spilled precious blood of Jesus Christ who, who came and died in our stead so that we might be um, partakers of the blessings of God. We might be restored to God, a fellowship with God. And these are all things that we don't deserve. And Lord, we thank you so much for them. This morning, we thank you for loving us. And we pray that um, you would open all of our hearts uh, to hear what you would have us to, to say this morning, Lord, that you would speak your words. The focus would be on you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was studying this uh, passage of scripture. There were three words, actually four, but three uh, that I want to focus on this morning, and one of which is really found um, not necessarily explicitly, but but it is implied throughout this entire passage. Uh, and those words are faith, hope, and love. And then the one that's implied uh, is t- is time. So faith. Faith is a foundation, a foundational concept, or perhaps a better way to describe it as a framework upon which our Christian lives are built. As the foundation is really Jesus Christ, whom we have faith in. And faith is talked about in First Peter earlier than this particular passage of Scripture in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith. In verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glorify God. And verse 9, receiving the end of your faith. One of the things that we are blessed by today that I don't necessarily believe all, all members of the early church would have been blessed by is that we have the completed scriptures. We have the completed word of God, and we can go and reference other passages of scripture that reference that. And some of these they would have heard because they're Old Testament. Back at 2 4, the just shall live by faith. Uh, Galatians 2 20, we are crucified with Christ. Um, And I'd like to actually read it so I don't. 2 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. We are called to walk by faith, not by sight, walk by faith. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing 
by the word of God. It is a shield to the believers. And that's, a, that's an important aspect. It is really the only piece of defensive equipment that is mobile, aside from you yourself being mobile. And it's something you can extinguish the fiery darts uh, of Satan with. It is a shield. Uh, it is our framework that we build upon uh, and hope, which really speaks to the future. It's something we look to, long to, and that's found earlier uh, in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. And also in verse 13, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we talk about hope, we, talk, we think of uh, Lamentations chapter 3, when um, the writer of Lamentations, Jeremiah, said, These things I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. There are things that we can remind ourselves of in Scripture uh, that, that give us hope, and oftentimes that falls back on. We hang that on the framework of our faith. Um, I, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, Anna, did, were, were, did you open this morning, was one of the songs you opened with, uh, My Hope is in the Lord? Nope, okay, then never mind. I, I misheard that. That is a hymn, My Hope is in the Lord. Um, and there's a lot of, of hymns, including some this morning that we, we sang that reference hope. And then love. Love is a feature. So we have a, a foundation uh, or a framework of faith. Hope speaks to the future, and love is a feature. And it's an essential feature of uh, the Christian. And then time. Time is something that, uh, as I was reading this, I was struck by. I don't know if I could explicitly state why. Uh, honestly, it was probably the first word I read, or one of the first words I read was foreordained. But thinking about time, uh, in my mind, time is, is I, I wouldn't say easy, but I thought it was easier to understand time uh, than it really is. And then you start to read other people's thoughts on it, and you realize, like, oh, man, I, this is a lot deeper and a lot harder to understand. And people that are a lot smarter than me, and by a lot I mean a lot smarter than me, have struggled with including some very famous philosophers, famous theologians, uh, thinking about or discussing the, the, the concept of time and how it plays with, if the, theologically speaking, how it plays with uh, predestination, for example, uh, which I'm not going to explain this morning because I don't even fully understand it. But um, thinking about time in the scriptures, I think, does help at least or it feeds into uh, those things, uh, those difficult concepts to understand. But three things I did focus on that time is. Time is... Uh, a construct or a creation. And really the, the way we measure time is, is truly the construct or creation aspect of time. Um, so when God created the, the world, he laid the foundations of the world, he set in place uh, the actions or the natural order by which we would measure time. Uh, the way that the earth revolves around the sun and the, and the, the, the amount of time that it takes the earth to, to turn a full circle. Um, those all established the way that we measure time, and it is a construct. And what flows from that is, is it's a constant. Time is a constant. Um, so because God laid that framework for time to be established, uh, if you think of the value of a second, it doesn't change. It is a constant. And then the last thing that time is, is it's a currency. Time is a currency. We all have a finite amount of it. We don't know how much we have, uh, but we do spend it. And it is something that we spend every moment of every day. And, and there are some relative aspects to that. So construct or creation uh, was really relative based on position. And what I mean by that is there is really only two positions. One is God, 
and the other one is the rest of everything else that's created. So we and created in the creation or that are created beings live within or are bound by the constraints of time. And often that limits both our ability to understand eternity, um, but also to understand how God always is. So we think of time. If I was to draw a line on a board, that's how I would illustrate time. If you look at when Ryan uh, first opened this message and he showed a timeline, that very word illustrates how we view time. It is linear. We have an end, or excuse me, a beginning, a middle, and an end. We have a past, we have a present, and we have a future. And that's how we think. And I think the language of the scriptures, they use the way we think to try to illustrate and try to help us to understand very difficult concepts about God and his eternal nature. But that's not how God is. I mean, we have a past, present, and a future, and we can't go back to our past. And we can never relive the moment of the present as it passes. And we, and we don't live in the future. We will, but we don't now. Where God, God is. When you say God is omnipresent, that doesn't just mean that he is present everywhere in the now, but he is present at all time. And I think that that's, uh, it, it's difficult to understand that. Um, but it's good to put some brain power behind it to try to understand uh, when Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the beginning and the end what that means second thing is it's a constant so it constant the the constancy of time is relative based off our perception uh, perhaps the easiest way to illustrate that would be to repeat something that uh, i was told jay boyd nicholson said uh, that three hours on the beach is different than three hours in the dentist chair <laughs> and if i went to the beach with you with a stopwatch and i measured time 3,600 seconds would be the exact same amount of time that would pass as if I went to the dentist with you and I sat next to you with a stopwatch, but it wouldn't feel like it, would it? And that's interesting that the way our mind interprets time when we are not having fun, when we're having a difficult time, time seems to, it doesn't, but it seems to pass more slowly in times of trouble, in times of difficulty, in times of uh, sadness and sorrow. And so it is not relative, but it, it is relative based on our perception of the way time passes. And then the last thing is currency, uh, and it has relative value based on our pursuits. So what we spend time on determines whether or not that, that time has value. And I don't tell that, I'm not going to sit up here and use that to beat anybody over the head with, because I look at my own life and see how much time I waste uh, and it is, it is a currency that we can never get back. We can never earn that back. It is something that when we spend it, it's gone. Um, and, and I suppose let that be an encouragement to um, spend it wisely. But as we cut into 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 20, which is really a continuation of verse 19, uh, this first portion, which in my Bible is part of uh, the verses 13 through 21, entitled Living Before God Our Father, uh, illustrate several things about God. Um, the prescience of God, the promise of God, and the plan of God in this, in this passage of here. And it starts off, he indeed, that is Jesus Christ, was foreordained. And the implied words there are by God. He indeed was foreordained by God before the foundation of the world. And I'm going to stop there. This is something that I think we can, in the early church, you have to remember what uh, the, the audience of Peter in this particular passage of Scripture um, were Christians under persecution and state-sponsored persecution. This is uh, the Roman Empire was deciding to actually go after Christians as an empire. And 
um, almost all of the church was in that empire at the time. And then Peter states that before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ's coming was foreordained. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan. Which I think would be an encouragement. And to go back to the opening of this message when uh, Ryan was talking about, he had his, his word, word cloud, which I thought was great, by the way. To, to see where the real focus of this book is in times of persecution was not on, hey, you're being persecuted. It was like, hey, we know that. Well, let's focus on God, on God the Father, on Jesus Christ, and be reminded of some things about him. In this particular instance, being reminded that God had a plan before the foundations of the world. And that speaks to his omniscience and his omnipotence. He's in control. He's, he wasn't surprised by anything when he created the world. And he knew what was going to happen, and he made a choice to, to send his son to die in the stead of, of mankind. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters, because before the foundation of the world, God, who was in control, had a plan and then the latter, uh, latter portion of that verse, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe. To be reminded of um, the plan of God, which was intentional and in many respects radical, that, that God would send his son to die for his creation is a radical concept, but it's also personal. It is a personal plan of salvation. And to be reminded of before the foundation of the world, God knew you, knew me. And we were part of that plan. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. In these times of persecution, be reminded that God is in control and that he was thinking of you. And it was revealed in these last times, being after the law, at the time of the law, um, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So there's two of the words I... I brought up at the beginning of the message, faith and hope are in God. So faith, um, passage of scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, talks about faith and what it is. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's a comprehensive definition, but it, it does illustrate that faith is a foundation. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the certainty of things not seen. And our, our faith is in Jesus Christ, is in God the Father. And then uh, hope, just being reminded of the fact that um, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know that plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you hope and a future. And in the, in the midst of persecution, um, I think of, of American POWs or people that were in concentration camps in, in difficult times of under and, and incredible physical uh, and mental stress, and one of the easiest ways to break somebody is to take away their hope, is to remove their hope and chip away at their faith, uh, the foundation aspect of it. But if, if, if a man has no hope, that is an incredibly sad thing to see, and, and that person will break. Um, you look at the people that died oftentimes, um, not necessarily because of of some things which were inevitable, like in concentration camps, obviously. But, but a POW may have just given up at that point because I have no hope I'm going to give up and I'm going to give up on life. That's because people are hopeless. Um, 
I saw a video a while back, and it's it's actually still a tab on my phone. If, and if anybody would like to to see this, um, it's it's interesting, but it is very sad to see there is a, a, a American philosophy teacher who's pretty famous, my understanding, taught at um, one of the schools in California, and uh, his grandson filmed him in, in when he was 97 years old, and he died in 2018. And his whole life he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the existence of God. There is no life after death. I shouldn't even think about it or worry about it. Who cares? Well, that's fine and dandy when you're, when you're 20, 30, 40, and you don't have to really think about your own mortality. Uh, but this was a man who was at the very end of his life and realizing, I have no hope. If your viewpoint, your framework is that there is nothing on the other end of life, uh, that first of all, your your hope is built on something that is uh, shifting and changing the world, uh, which does change, uh, or on yourselves, which we change. Putting your, your hope is like, uh, in many respects, building your house on the sand. You build it on something that shifts. And your foundation will go... Uh, will break your house down eventually as it shifts and moves. And then the hope that you've tried to hang on that doesn't exist anymore. Whereas Peter is reminding uh, these believers in a time of difficulty that your faith and your hope are in the creator and the sustainer of the universe. The one who spoke the world into existence and who upholds you he knits you together in your, mother's, in your mother's womb, and he upholds you by the power of his hand. And that, that is who your hope and your faith are in. God is unchanging. He never changes. He never, uh, any of his aspects never change. And that's something I think that is uh, important to note, too, when it comes to uh, putting your faith in something. If you put your faith in creation, creation changes just by the very nature of of creation, it atrophies, uh, or if you put your faith in a person, uh, we we change as we grow, as we mature, as we go through life and experience life. Our thought process has changed, but you put your hope and your faith, really your faith, the, found, the foundational framework of your your beliefs in Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's never going to fail, and it's good to be reminded in times of difficulty and and, and struggle that that is what we've built our lives on. And then because of that faith, that foundational framework we built it on, we look to some things in the future. And Peter talks about that earlier. Blessed be the God and Father. This is verse 3 of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. That's another aspect of this. It's talked about in verse 21, that God accepted the sacrifice of Christ and raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So we serve a risen Savior, and our hope is living. It is a hope that... That, that we can put our faith in and that we can look to. It is not a dead hope. It is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is what we have hope in. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not, that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. That's something difficult to grasp. Again, talk, talking about the passage of time, as time passes, things atrophy. Things are corrupted. Look at earthly treasure. Uh, they will rust. They will um, oxidize. They will, they will be damaged by time. But we, are, uh, we have a living hope. 
which according to the abundant mercy of God, we have been, got, we have been begotten to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Because in verse 21, uh, we believe in uh, God through, or sorry, we believe in God through Christ and being reminded that Christ was, or Christ did die and was raised from the dead, that death no longer has sway. Uh, that is another aspect of our hope is that we will be raised again and we will live with Christ in glory because Christ defeated death and he was raised and given glory. We, uh, we also will be uh, given glory. And because we have that faith and hope in, this, in Christ, the solid rock, I can only think of um, Winston Churchill's statement to never Never, never give up. Because what we have built our lives on will never fail us. We don't have to work. This is sure. This part of our lives is sure. Yes, I get some of the future aspects of what you're going to go through. You may not know. It may result in your death. But this is sure, and this is sure on the other end of whatever is going to happen here. And so don't give up. Live your lives because you, your faith and hope are in God. And then we transition to uh, verses 22 to 25, which in my uh, Bible is entitled The Enduring Word. And we find um, the purification by God's love or the process from God, a paradigm from God, a reminder that we are purchased by God, by the precious blood of Christ, which references back to uh, verse 19. And then we are reminded of the permanence or the perpetuity of God's word. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So obedience is an aspect of the Christian walk here. Uh, we are obedient to, are beholden to the Spirit, um, and we do have we don't we don't have anything to do with our salvation. That's not what I think Peter's talking about here. He's not referencing the fact that we have purified ourselves. Uh, but there is a change in our lives that we are responsible, partially responsible for. And how do we do it? We do it through obedience to God. Um, Jesus said himself, if you love me, do what I say. And so it is through love that we obey the one that loved us first uh, and are able to be purified. And, and it's an inward change here. He's referencing the soul. It is, a, it is an inward change in the heart as, the, as we are sanctified as we become more Christ-like, our, our in, inmost beings, our, our soul is changed, and that will result in a natural outpouring uh, of, of something, of, of many things, actually. Um, Brother Abe talked about the passage before um, where we're called to be holy. That is, I believe, a, a, an outward manifestation of an inward change is that we will become more and more Christ-like. We're called to holiness. But here, in this particular passage, he talks about uh, insincere love of the brethren, which is really Philadelphia phileo, it's brotherly love. Love one another fervently with a pure heart, and as we are uh, more and more sanctified, uh, that love transitions to an agape love uh, of the brethren. And love is, is important, uh, we, we, we don't just have to ref- reference First Peter. We talk about love of the brethren being important. That's uh, found in First John chapter 3. Je- uh, Jesus himself 
when referencing his, or telling his disciples, like, this, this is how the world's going to tell you you are different than them, that you're my disciples. In John, John chapter 13, that you love one another. That you show my love to you, to each other. And it's not, it's not the same type of love that the world shows, is it? Love, love of the world is, is a selfish love. And First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, just talks about love. When Paul opened up that passage of Scripture, he talked about how love was important. It doesn't matter how good of a Christian I am. It doesn't matter how theologically sound I am. It doesn't matter how great I am uh, as, as a, um, a, a theologian or whatever. If I don't show love, if I, have, if I don't have love, I'm just a clanging symbol, which is annoying. And, and people aren't going to want to listen to you whether you're right or not, if you're not also showing them, or doing it in love. And love is important. And this isn't just outward to the world. This is specifically speaking to each other. And I talked about the three words, faith, hope, and love. At the end of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul actually talks about these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And what does he say the greatest of these is? Love. The greatest of these is love. And Peter is encouraging uh, the brethren to, to love one another fervently with a pure heart. You know, watching, uh, and I've talked about this before, but watching um, f- filmed representations of uh, the scripture, I think have their place. If, you, if that's the only way you get uh, the gospel or, or, or the, you're reading, if you will, the Bible, then, then you're wrong. But I think it's interesting to go and, and watch these things because sometimes it puts, it puts con- context to certain things. Like you're not, ex- you're not thinking about, hey, maybe this was happening and this, and this was going on at the same time or this was happening in this location. And one of the things, uh, watching The Chosen, that I had never thought about um, was that the disciples didn't all get along <laughs> That may not be true, but I, I'm sure it probably was. Because you're bringing in uh, multiple different personalities. You're bringing in fishermen. You're bringing in tax collectors. You're bringing in uh, people from all walks of life. And then they're following this one rabbi for three years and living together. And I'm sure they fought. And I've never thought about that before. But they were watching the Son of God who, who came to earth out of love, love, love people. Love them, show love to each other, um, and, and then tell them at one point in his ministry, this is how men are going to know that you're my disciples. Love each other. And that especially becomes important, I think, in times of persecution. I don't know that we as a, an American church can fully grasp or understand what true state-sponsored persecution is like at least that was like for uh, for the early church, but there is persecution in America. There's persecution in the worldwide church, um, and and sometimes that persecution is actually uh, from Satan himself, who is the accuser of the brethren. Um, if there's one thing that Satan wants to do, especially after you're saved, is to make you as ineffectual a Christian as he possibly can. And one of the ways to do that is to chip away at your faith and your hope. And attack your love for the brethren. You want to you break up a church? 
Go after the way that we interact with each other. And we're people. We have differences of opinion. We have uh, things we don't agree on. Um, but we, we are called to love each other. With uh, sincere, which is unhypocritical, another way to say that, uh, love, and a fervent love, which he talks about again in, in 4, uh, verse 8. And above all things, this is in uh, chapter 4, verse 8, and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And, and when you're persecuted, when you're in times of stress and difficulty, small little problems will become very big very quickly if you let them. And so Peter is telling, telling the church to guard against that by loving each other, focusing on uh, manifesting to each other the love of Christ that was manifested to them. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, uh, which lives and abides forever. So you were, ch- you were born again. Uh, and that concept of being a born again in, in, the, in the spirit of incorruptible seed, really referencing the fact that we as physical beings could never escape original sin, really, that, that fact that that was passed on uh, through the, uh, the man as, as we were uh, made flesh. But through the spirit, uh, when Jesus was talking to um, Nicodemus in John chapter 3, it was one of the things he talked about is, you have to be born again. You have to be changed spiritually and be born of an incorruptible seed which comes through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And he quotes a passage of scripture from Isaiah chapter 40. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away. Good old Fernando Ortega song right there. But just being reminded of the fact that this world and everything in it, whatever you put your faith on in this world, isn't going to last. And you're not going to last. We're not going to last. Which, <laughs> in an ironic sort of way, is, is actually an encouragement when you're being persecuted. That concept, which actually many people think this is in the Bible, this too shall pass. It's not. It's not a verse in the Bible. But it's a concept that is true. To be, to be reminded of the fact that in times of struggle, in times of persecution, it's going to end at some point. Whether it's in your death, which you probably don't want that, but that's, you're going to end up in heaven because of that. Or it's, it's just going to end the passage of time that this stuff does not last forever. As you, man, does not last forever. Um, and that's actually, think about all the way back to when Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden. They were removed because God did not want them in their sinful state to take uh, to eat of the tree of life. Which, if you really think about that, that would be a greater curse to, be, to live forever cursed than, than to, to at least have a, a temporary life um, and move on. But to be, to be reminded of the fact that creation is uh, temporary. It says the flowers of the grass. If you've ever, if ever planted flowers before, they're beautiful in their season, but they will, they will disappear and go away. At some point, and that's what man is like. Uh, we're uh, other passages of scripture will, will talk about, about us like we're uh, a vapor or smoke. It's something that's there and gone. Especially when you you take into concept. And here's where the time comes into play again. Uh, the thought of eternity and where we fall on that timeline, if you will. Again, if you think linearly, it's, it's however long I have in this world isn't very 
very significant in the course of, of eternity. And yet, what we put our faith on, uh, what we have been born again through, which is the word of God, that endures forever. So we see here the fleeting nature of the flesh, the forever nature of God, and the finality of the word of God. And it is through the word of God that we hear the words of life. We are convicted and we, um, we are saved. The, the words of life are found in, in the scriptures. There's a hymn, uh, number 115, that talks about those wonderful words of life. So in closing, what can I take away from this? Well, be encouraged. First of all, your faith and hope are in an omnipresent, omnipotent God. It's different than most of the rest of the world, what they put their faith in. Your faith, if you are saved, is built upon Jesus Christ. It's the, founda- the foundation is God. The framework is your faith. And you have, as he talks about earlier, a hope, a living hope, because Jesus Christ came and died for your sins. And so if you're facing times of struggle, strife, persecution, sorrow, be reminded of the fact that God who your faith and hope is, is in control. Love one another. It's easy for me to say that. It's really hard to practice. But it's important. There, there are scriptures, I didn't even write down all of them. I probably did another piece of paper, but I didn't hear. That, that tell of the importance of loving the brethren. Uh, and I think that uh, a church that loves each other, that shows the love of Christ to each other is a healthy, or will can be a very healthy church. And that love, again, if you want an example to try to follow, because it, we're imperfect beings, we're never going to fully live up to the standard of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but that's, that is the standard of love that we need to try to meet, that you're patient, that you're kind, that you're you don't envy, that you don't boast, that you're not proud, that you're not rude, that you're not self-seeking, that you're not easily angered. I don't live up to that all the time with my wife, who I should love more than you guys. But we should strive for that. Love one another. And then read the Word. Be in the Word of God, because that is where the words of life are found. That is where salvation is found. And again, going back to the concept of time, which is a currency that has relative value based off pursuit, if you want to put your efforts into things that have eternal value, this is one of them. The word of God is one of those things that has eternal value. And so I I would encourage uh, all of us to read the word. So we could be like uh, the the prophet Jeremiah when he said, your words were found and I ate them. And David, which is is full of references to the beauty of the word, Psalm 119 talks about that. Um, It has a lot of practical outpourings. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. There is, there is a lot of practicality in putting your time and effort into something that has eternal value. And then I think also, and this isn't explicitly stated in here, um, but the practical outpouring of a lot of this is also to evangelize, to spread the word of God. Um, 
you have that that love, you have the word of God, now share it. Share it with others. Uh, because, again, that's another thing that has eternal value. Mankind, man, the souls of man will, will endure. And so uh, if you want to put your time towards something, those are a couple of things you can. Let's, let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to open your word, to study it, to be reminded of the importance of it, to be reminded of things like uh, we need to love each other, Lord. And I hope that uh, I pray that you would help all of us uh, here in this local church and also in the universal church, Lord, to, to practice that, to, to, to love each other with a fervent love, Lord. Help us as we work through the, our salvation. We, sang, we, we, we try to become more like you, Lord. Help us in that. Help us to, to dive into your word, Lord, and to devour it. And, and we thank you so much for uh, sending your son to die for us so that we would have uh, a hope in the future. We pray all these things in your precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.